Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to the China Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Jared Watt, specialist digital producer for the South China Morning Post here in Hong Kong on this Friday the 13th. We've managed to avoid walking under ladders and crossing paths with black cats to make it back into the studios here in our newsroom on this rainy Friday. And my, hasn't it been a busy week? As I speak to you, the waiting staff are cleaning up the plates and glasses after what was flagged as an intimate dinner between US President Joe Biden and the leaders of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, otherwise known as ASEAN, in the White House. And by that I mean most of the ASEAN leaders, because Myanmar wasn't invited and the Philippines are currently transitioning to what might best be described as Marcos and Duterte, the next generation. We're still digesting what that means in the broader context of US-China relations, but let me run you through what else you might have missed this week. It started on Monday night with South Korea's newly inaugurated president receiving his first security briefing, somewhat suitably in an underground bunker, given Kim Jong-un keeps launching ballistic missiles into the Sea of Japan. But it's the heavyweight diplomats from China and Japan who turned up to his inauguration that really caught our eye. You'll hear more about that and what it means for South Korea to have signed on to a NATO cyber warfare program from my colleague Kim Bo-Earn, who's from the Korea Times but works here with us in the SCMP newsroom. And while Joe Biden is working on his guanxi with ASEAN leaders, China's President Xi Jinping has been working the phones with European leaders. He's been talking to Emmanuel Macron in France and Olive Scholz in Germany about strategic autonomy and asking them to ensure Europe does not let Russia's war on Ukraine escalate. And you've got to ask yourself, what is your definition of escalate? Yes, it's Friday the 13th, but reality is always much more fascinating than any superstition. May the 13th is the anniversary of Winston Churchill's first day on the job as Prime Minister in 1940. It's also the date of the beginning of official peace talks between the US and North Vietnam in Paris back in 1968, and it also marks the day in 1989 when thousands of students began a non-violent occupation of Tiananmen Square in Beijing as part of an anti-corruption and pro-democracy demonstration. If I can quote the 19th century author H.G. Wells, he said history was a race between education and catastrophe. So take your marks, get set, let's get on with the show. Kinling Lo was formerly in our Beijing bureau, and she's now based in our North American bureau in the Washington, D.C. office. Great to have you back, Kinling. Hello, and good night. Well, yes, it is a good night because you've been at a Beltway dinner in Washington, D.C. It's breakfast time here in Hong Kong. But as I speak to you, the leaders of the ASEAN group are having what's being called an intimate dinner with Joe Biden after day one of their historic meeting in Washington. What do we know of what was spoken about today? 
So it must have been a really busy day for um, the first day of the U.S. ASEAN Special Summit, which was hosted by um, Biden, and he invited leaders of the 10-member bloc to D.C. Uh, and according to the White House, it's the first time they're ever doing it. The last time that the such a special summit convened in the U.S. was um, during the Obama times in 2016, that they were invited to California instead. So for the White House, um, they have kept emphasizing that they really, really value this meeting. Keeling, as my mum would say, it looks like a very full dance card for the ASEAN leaders today. It's not just about meeting Joe Biden. It looks like the Biden administration is really rolling out all the top officials to meet with these people. Yeah, they really are. Um, So the ASEAN leaders would have met House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and bipartisan senior lawmakers for lunch. And then they met Kamala Harris, um, Vice President and um, Secretary of State Antony Blinken. There was also this meeting with American businessmen and CEOs where they talked about business investment opportunities. And that was followed by the intimate dinner between Biden and the leaders at the White House. So it's right to say that it's been a very packed um, schedule for for the summit uh, for the leaders. And it was underscored by um, the White House announcing a series of monetary commitments to the region. So today they have announced a total of 150 million U.S. dollars of new initiatives that the U.S. is committing to the region, which would be increased from the 102 million U.S. dollars that was committed last October when Biden had his other virtual meeting with the ASEAN leaders. So um, the money would cover a range of initiatives, including marine time related activities to digital tech development and to fighting COVID. But the biggest distribution of money goes to marine time activities. So 16 million US dollars will go to these marine time initiatives, which uh, will include apparently US Coast Guard um, stepping up their training for ASEAN countries and They will also send more personnel to the region with these resources, which I guess will definitely be up on China's alley and they would definitely be watching this closely. It's very interesting you mentioned this involvement of the U.S. Coast Guard and this idea of the uh, the maritime defense or maritime security. Of course, we are two weeks on from China's announcement of its seasonal ban on fishing in the waters around the nine-dash line between Vietnam on one side, between the Philippines on the other, which of course raises the interesting question about the Philippines. Do they have a member there? They've just changed government. There's still a transition period. Who has arrived to represent the Philippines at this ASEAN meeting? Right. The Philippines um, sent their foreign minister there instead of the outgoing President Duterte. So this was one of the two ASEAN leaders who were not present. In the 10-member bloc, actually, Myanmar also had no representative. So it was reported that Myanmar was not officially invited to join the meeting because the U.S. is essentially boycotting leader-to-leader level exchange with the country since the military coup last year. But we know that ahead of the summit, Deputy Secretary Wendy Sherman actually met with Myanmar's government in exile's designated foreign minister at the Department of State. So the topic of Myanmar and what 
would be the next step to take for ASEAN was definitely a topic of discussion for this summit, and I guess a rather contentious one. Interestingly, uh, because I'm still new to DC, uh, I, I realized that from American government officials, they actually never use um, Myanmar to address the country. They would always use Burma because Myanmar is actually... Um, the name of this country was given by the military. So they, I guess they boycott that. It's fascinating. I feel like I just learned something. And on, on top of that, the current chair of the ASEAN is Cambodia. And there's a whole bunch of questions about what they call democracy there in terms of Joe Biden's big, you know, push for democracy versus autocracy. But I want to ask you, from this first day, we've seen all these officials rolled out. The actual red carpet has been rolled out to these ASEAN leaders. Kindling, what's not being talked about? What is significantly being omitted in this full court press of diplomacy by the US? So one significant thing that was not talked about was definitely the Indo-Pacific economic framework. This is an economic strategy that falls under Biden's Indo-Pacific strategy as a whole. It was understood to be an attempt to engage these countries in the region economically, which was what the U.S. was lagging behind in the greater geopolitical competition with China and the region. And it was something that they claimed they wanted to address. One big problem with this framework, which was uh, known in a short form IPEF, was that geopolitical experts actually don't think Biden was planning to introduce any trade agreements with the countries because to introduce these trade agreements, it would request the endorsement by the Senate and the House, which are political steps that Biden may not be willing to take at this moment. And so the Biden administration seemed to want to limit the extent to this framework to saying that they will cooperate on standard setting in areas like sensitive technology and like AI. But in reality, experts doubt how far it could go in being a game changer for its competition with China. And in what was announced from the first day of the meetings, at least, none of these initiatives were categorized to fall under this unknown IPEF framework. And the administration seemed to be still negotiating with ASEAN countries on what could be agreed on. And there hasn't seemed to be anything substantial that came out from it. So it, these initiatives announced sounded more like a sort of like one-way money offering a nice gesture. And of course, those are areas that ASEAN countries are concerned about. For example, they did say they will invest in a climate energy infrastructure development and how to practically stop illegal fishing. These are areas that Washington said they will really focus on doing because they know that these are areas that ASEAN countries are very concerned about. But ultimately, according to a number of experts that I talked to, ASEAN countries do want more market access and trade deals with America. And given that the U.S. is already not in RCEP, which is a free trade agreement among the 10 ASEAN members and some other Asia-Pacific nations like China, Japan, South Korea, and of course they pulled out from TPP negotiations during the Trump era. And so they're not in these big regional free trade frameworks. 
And they're also not launching new trade initiatives with ASEAN, which now has China as their biggest trading partner, obviously. So this part of the economic relationship, I don't see any changes to it after the summit. Well, I mean, it ends tomorrow, but up to now, I don't see a strong initiative to change that. That's fascinating. And of course, Joe Biden is due to fly over to Japan and South Korea next week. Maybe there'll be a surprise announcement there. But speaking of of announcements, you've spent the last 12 months in Beijing. You've got a lot of contacts still, of course. What was Beijing's response to this ASEAN special gathering that the Biden administration has put on in Washington? So China is definitely keeping a very close eye on this summit. Uh, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, a few days before the summit, had just had a virtual summit with his Cambodian counterpart, where he called for regional unity and stressing about how it's Asia's time in the upcoming days. And this narrative was followed by China's foreign ministry's spokesman, Zhao Lijian, in his regular press briefing ahead of the DC summit, where he warned the US of not trying to break the unity in the region. And also by accusing the US of actually being a country that locates outside of the region. Kinling, it sounds like Zhao Lijian has basically said, you're not from around here to the US. It's an interesting kind of response about this in terms of the ASEAN and the and the neighbourhood of nations. There was something else that's been missing this week, and that is, of course, we were waiting for Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, to make a major speech last week about, finally, the Biden administration giving us its China policy That original speech was cancelled due to a COVID diagnosis for Mr. Blinken. Has there been any suggestion that that he might use this conference or reschedule that speech in the near future? What's happening with that? So Blinken definitely seemed to have recovered from COVID. And we have been hearing that he would probably be doing his speech late next week. So that's something that we can look forward to. No doubt, another great chance to get you on the line to speak once again, Kindling. You've got another day of coverage of your first White House summit to go to tomorrow. It's a late night there in Washington, D.C. Thank you very much for your time. Great to have you back on the podcast. Thanks. The pleasure is mine. As critical news stories emerging from China continue to shape lives and business around the world, the weekly SCMP Global Impact Newsletter brings you expert analyses and insights on the economics of COVID-19, society, technology, and the environment. Sign up to receive your weekly email at scmp.com newsletters. It's not often the newly inaugurated president of a country is greeted with intercontinental ballistic missile tests by the neighbours, but that's just one of many challenges facing Yoon Sok-yul, the new president of South Korea. Now, on midnight of Monday this week, we read this relative newcomer received his first security briefing as president in an underground bunker, and he's now four days into the new job which makes for a great opportunity to welcome back our colleague on exchange from the Korea Times, Kim Bo-Earn, in person here in the SNP podcast studios. Welcome. Thank you uh, so much for having me back, and it's great to be in the studio today. Bo-Earn, can I just step back to the inauguration ceremony for Yoon Sok-yeol? You've read the speech he gave, but can I ask you about the one thing he announced that really did make world headlines – his call to denuclearize North Korea. 
Right. So North Korea and its nuclear program is something that uh, South Korea and also the U.S. and China and regional powers have been concerned about. And discussions have taken place to uh, have North Korea give up its uh, nuclear weapons for decades. Actually, steps for North Korea to denuclearize took place under the Moon Jae-in administration, but then uh, reached a deadlock when uh, North Korea and the U.S. couldn't find common ground because uh, the U.S. was asking for North Korea to take more steps while North Korea was obviously unwilling to take those. And um, North Korea continues to pose a security threat to the region. And uh, that is why this continues to be an important agenda for South Korea's new president and the government. And um, yeah, the talks will continue to take place, especially I think this will be an important agenda when uh, when Yoon Suk-yeol meets his U.S. counterpart, President Joe Biden, uh, next week for a summit. And we'll get to that historic meeting with Joe Biden in just a moment. But can I just go back a step and say, what is Yoon Suk-yeol offering North Korea when he says denuclearize? Is there some sort of payoff? Is there economic aid? Is there aid for COVID? So uh, North Korea has been in bad shape in terms of economy for for many years. Uh, and uh, it is really in need of um, economic uh, incentives, which is why this could be an attractive incentive for North Korea to try to take steps to uh, denuclearize. And um, as President Yoon mentioned in his inauguration address, South Korea is willing to provide these sort of economic incentives for North Korea to to actually start taking these steps. And I've got to refer to that strange quirk of geopolitical history that technically North and South Korea are still at war, even though the conflict ended over 70 years ago. It was a feature of former President Moon Jae-in's administration to try and officially end that war. Was there any mention in the inauguration speech of Yoon Suk-yeol? Was there any indication he will pick up that push? I think the precondition uh, for making an end-of-war declaration is for North Korea to assure South Korea and also um, other regional states that it will not pose threats. And um, this will be a very key and important step that North Korea needs to take before any you know, discussions are resumed um, of, of making this sort of declaration. And Yoon, because he's a conservative and also because he's pledged to take a much harsher stance towards North Korea, he's going to you know, call for a lot more for um, actual discussions on you know, ending the war. Well, let me ask you about the inauguration ceremony itself. There were two people in attendance who made history just by turning up. Let's start with China's Vice President Wang Kishan. He's the highest ranking Chinese official to attend any South Korean presidential inauguration in history. What does this say about Beijing's eagerness to reset the relationship with South Korea? So, as you mentioned, Wang Kishan is the highest ranking Chinese official to attend a South Korean president's inauguration ceremony. And 
this is also notable because senior Chinese leaders have not really traveled outside of the country since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. And so this actually signals that uh, China is quite eager to have good ties with South Korea under the Yoon Songnyeol administration because Yoon has pledged to boost the country's alliance with the U.S. while you know, keeping a distance with China. So China has its reasons to be concerned and to try to reach out more to South Korea. I think the attendance of, of China's vice president at Yoon's inauguration ceremony really uh, shows this. And the other person attending there, also making history, Japan's foreign minister, Yoshimasa Hayashi, again, a very clear diplomatic signal this time from from Tokyo to Seoul. What was the reaction to the attendance of Japan's foreign minister? I think the attendance of Japan's foreign minister, you know, is a good sign that uh, that Japan and Korea are, you know, on course to amend ties which were damaged under the previous administration. Yoon Songnyeol has also indicated that. His government wants better ties with Japan, and I think this is a good start. And there's a lot of historical baggage, if I can use that phrase, about the colonial and wartime history uh, of Japan in South Korea. Where does he start building that relationship? Does he push for apologies for wartime atrocities and crimes, or how do you see this maybe playing out? This is a very uh, difficult issue, a difficult area uh, for the two countries. And um, actually, when you start getting into, uh, you know, what happened uh, under Japan's colonial rule of of Korea, it gets very complicated. And so um, that's what was happening under the Moon Jae-in administration. He was trying to get Japan to take responsibility for forced labor and to take more responsibility for um, wartime sexual slavery. And these are considered uh, very difficult issues that have, have um, sort of served as stumbling blocks between Japan and Korea. So, well, we'll have to see if these issues will be addressed and if will be addressed in any different manner, but these will definitely be important issues Um, that need to be addressed for the relationship to go forward. Now, you mentioned this earlier, but just to underline how important South Korea is, its new president is to both China and the US. The American president, Joe Biden, isn't making a Zoom call to Yoon Suk-yeol. He's flying to Seoul to personally meet with him. What does this mean and what do you think is on the agenda? Right, so China's vice president attending Yoon's inauguration ceremony and uh, U.S. President Joe Biden's planned summit with Yoon Songnyeol uh, next week. All of this uh, we should, you know, take a look at from uh, the perspective of the U.S.-China rivalry. So the rivalry is intensifying in the region, in the Indo-Pacific, and both powers are very eager to Uh, secure more partners. And South Korea is one of those countries. As I mentioned earlier, South Korea, you know, was actually stuck between the two big powers trying to uh, navigate. 
and um, now it's kind of more intent on aligning itself with the U.S. under the new uh, president. Uh, so this was what makes China more, um, you know, eager to reach out. So the summit between Joe Biden and Yoon Suk-yeol will actually be the quickest meeting to take place between a U.S. president and South Korean president after the inauguration of a South Korean president. And I think this goes to show how the U.S. is also quite um, intent on, uh, you know, securing South Korea as its partner. And there's so much talk about defense packs, trade packs. Yoon Suk-yeol had upset China by discussing an increase in the THAAD uh, missile defense system. Uh, when this originally was installed, this led to sanctions uh, on South Korean consumer goods. We've also seen, just before the inauguration, the announcement that South Korea was joining a NATO cyber defense group. China has always said it will not stand for a NATO in the Pacific or in that region. This seems like an incredibly provocative step. Right. So South Korea became the first Asian country to join this cyber defense group affiliated with NATO. Uh, South Korea joining this uh, subgroup does not equate to South Korea joining the NATO. So um, this is... This is uh, this could be seen as um, separate issues, but um, the reason China can be concerned is because cyber warfare is becoming more and more uh, important, and also NATO is trying to expand and have more members, not only in the West but also in the Asia Pacific. So as NATO moves to expand its membership, uh, South Korea has joined this. Subgroup, so I think this is, uh, you know, sufficient reason for concern on the part of China. Of course, I've just skipped past all the massive domestic issues that are crowding the agenda for this new president for South Korea, Yoon Suk Yeol. He's got inflation pressures. He's got, of course, COVID. Mm-hmm. He's promised to the angry young men of South Korea that he'll push back on any kind of female engagement in politics or industry. That in itself is a whole other podcast. But this meeting with Joe Biden, when does this happen? So it will take place on May 21st. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden will be arriving in Seoul uh, the day before on May 20th. And so, yeah, the summit is uh, scheduled for May 21st. And then uh, he will visit Tokyo as his next as part of his trip to Asia. A personal pivot from the US president towards the region. Kimbo Earn, it's great to have you back in the studio. Great to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now that's all for this week. Don't forget Kinling Lo and our North American Bureau will be bringing you all there is to know from the ASEAN Summit in Washington on scnp.com. I have a feeling it's going to get very exciting next week. As you heard from Kimbo Earn, US President Joe Biden is flying across the world to personally meet and greet South Korea's new president, Yoon Suk-yeol, and is going to drop into Japan as well to say hello to Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. We're also reading reports that China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi might just visit the Solomon Islands, coincidentally about 24 hours before the national election in Australia. 
I have a feeling we're going to be spending a lot of time looking at maps of the Indo-Pacific. Don't forget, you can keep in touch with the SNP Political Economy team on Twitter, at SNP Economy. My name is Jared Watt. Look forward to keeping you company next week. Until then, stay safe, stay in touch. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.